Sky Hour with James O'Brien. Sorry, five minutes after 12 is the time you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where we have what I think you could accurately describe as a crunching gear change upon us now as we seek to raise the mood and lighten the tone, our weekly adventure into the unknown. Um, uh, before that, though, sorry. I, I, if you follow me on Twitter, you don't have to follow me on Twitter. Honestly, all I do is plug my book. You uh, nothing like the radio show. <laughs> if you follow, if you just go to my Twitter account and you can find links to both the website and the Twitter account of, of Ellie's charity, Humanity Torbay. Or you can just, of course, Google Humanity Torbay or, or, or the Twitter account is at Humanity Torbay. So um, do get in touch directly, although it is always incredibly gratifying to see the switchboard light up like a Christmas tree whenever a case like the one we just discussed is on the programme. Um, obviously, I need all my phone lines for Mystery Hour, but I'm not going to be quite as strict and demanding about that as I normally am. For reasons that I hope are obvious. Six minutes after 12 is the time, and here we I've just become one of those um, those famous Nicholas Soames hashtags, talking of Twitter. Are you, are you familiar with this? Nicholas Soames, uh, the Conservative MP, grandson, of course, of Winston Churchill, has uh, something of a reputation for torturous hashtags one man band so in response to something i tweeted last night about donald trump nicholas soames has just replied hashtag a very bad man the enemy of the free press that's catchy sir nicholas certainly is <laughs> mystery harry's here your weekly opportunity to get an answer to a question okay so shall i bother explaining it or should we just do a suck it and see this week given that we're all a little bit discombobulated by that conversation with ellie let's just dive straight and if you don't know what's going on You've tuned in expecting coruscating political analysis. Um, well, you're in for a bit of a change, all right? But I promise you it's fun. Daniel is in Swindon. Daniel, question or answer? Hi, James. Question. Uh, carry on, mate. Why is green associated, associated with fully charged or go and red associated with stop or out of battery? You mean pre-traffic lights? Yeah, well... Yeah, the traffic lights or, or um, you're out of battery. I, I, I mean, the battery thing just means you, you, you're not moving. So, so I think it all stems from the traffic lights, doesn't it? Red means stop, green means go. So yeah, but why? Re red why? on a battery means not going and green means going. And you want to know why. Yeah. I like that, but I suspect it's yeah. to do... I think the question will distill down to why are traffic lights red, green and amber? And red historically means danger, so it would make you stop. And you're going to say well, why. why? Yeah, you're going to say why, aren't you? It's like being at home. Why, Dad? <laughs> 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 okay, I'll get. I'll, I'll, no. It's on the board. I just like sometimes I talk for a little bit in, in, inanely in the hope of the answer popping into my brain or, or, or being dredged up from my memory banks. It's not going to happen, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we've knocked at the door of that one before. Um, apparently, they've received. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> Apparently they've, they've received five grand in the last five minutes from you. Down at that charity. And that, that's actually, that tweet's a couple of minutes old as well. Thank you, Jeff. Eight minutes after 12 is the time. Martin is in Hartford. Martin, question or answer? Question, please, James. Carry on, mate. Uh, my daughter asked me the other day, she's a very bright little cookie, why is it that uh, <laughs> they choose that shampoo lights up in your hair and bubbles up, but conditioner doesn't? Well, I, I mean, because conditioner's not cleaning you, so it doesn't have soap in it on the same scale. Yeah, yeah that's as may be, but they're both agents for your hair. What, what makes one, one love up, not the other? Soap. Soap? Soap. 
Okay. I, don't, I mean, it's got to be, hasn't it? Because, I mean, okay, it is a good question, but it's quite a simple answer because shampoo is for cleaning and conditioner is for conditioning. So shampoo has soap in it, which bubbles it up, but the conditioner is, I mean, it leaves stuff in your hair, doesn't it, rather than washing everything out. So if it had soap in it, it wouldn't work. But surely it's the same constituent as soap. It's still got to leave something in your hair, both of them. No, the, the shampoo, theoretically, you should rinse it all out, and the soap helps with that process by doing something to the water, but the conditioner doesn't have soap in it, which is why it doesn't bubble up. I, I'll leave it on the board, because I'm not going to lie to you, Martin, I'm not really an expert on hair washing. Um, no. In fact, with every passing year, it becomes less and less relevant to my life. <laughs> I might okay, start okay, buying okay. polish soon rather than shampoo. <laughs> But, oh, thank you. No, it's all right, mate. I'll put it on the board. Why, why, why does shampoo bubble up and conditioner doesn't? Why, um, why are traffic lights red and green? What, the stop and go thing, red and green. Presumably it all comes from traffic lights. Or it might go back further to flags. Flags! But then, you know what Daniel would say, don't you? Why? <laughs> Mark's in Congleton in Cheshire. Mark, question or answer? A uh, question, please, James. Carry on, mate. Um, I'm... I'm fascinated by things like porpoises and dolphins and whales and so on, like, yes, like most of are. Um, but one thing that I've never met, been able to really ascertain is if such creatures have blowholes rather than nostrils, for obviously because they live underwater most of the time. They're not instead of they, nostrils, blowholes. Well, I, I thought they were. No, because the but, nostrils, you breathe through your nostrils. You don't breathe you through do, your blowhole. Well, you breathe through the blowhole. Do well, you breathe through your blow? I thought you breathe through. Ah, oh, no, I'm thinking of gills, and you're specifically yeah. talking about mammals rather than fish, aren't you? I so am. what do they Not do? The they take a massive gulp because they can go underwater for for minutes on end. Oh, mate, Which you're turning me into me. Alan Partridge, aren't you? Let's look at them <laughs> giggling. They're all laughing at me already. All you marine mammal experts. Uh, James. Here we go. <laughs> Carry on. Back of the net. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just thought. Well, well as the blowhole shut once they've taken that big gulp of air you talk about and they yeah, dive, yeah. Um, does that mean that they either don't have or don't need a sense of smell? Because it's, that's effectively what th their nose has become, isn't it? Yeah, they probably don't have a sense of smell. Well, I don't know. That's, well, that's they might the have taste buds in their mouth, which... Yeah? T taste and smell are the same thing, aren't they? Do, 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 do we use our taste buds for smelling? I'm really uh, knocking it out of the park today on the ignorant. This is outrageous. Do you know why well, it is? I think, I think I'm so flipping moved by that conversation with ellie that i haven't got my yeah. brain i haven't got my brain back in gear yet and you're taking advantage of my temporarily vulnerable state <laughs> can, can i can i say one thing as well that cool. was a fantastic piece of radio oh well that's, that's the smallest part of the reason for doing it but i do appreciate the, the, the thought thank you mark so do dolphins and whales have a sense of smell oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three why does I, I really would like someone who works in a laboratory with shampoos because i think mark's little one deserves a really definitive answer on that question shampoo bubbles up conditioner doesn't and why does red mean stop and green means go simon is in ashford simon question or answer it's a question my friend carry on where do all the olive seeds go the olive stones the stones the pits because uh I love olives, and I, I always buy, buy pitted ones, but yes. where do they all go? Because you can't replant them, otherwise there'd be millions of olive trees. They've, they've got to suck them away, surely not. They, well, they would have done historically, they would have just chucked them away, but I, I, oddly enough, I happen to know a little bit about this. There are, there are moves afoot to, I mean, it's happened, they're turning olive stones into fuel, a renewable fuel. How are they doing that? 
I don't know. I mean, come on, mate. I'm a gob on a stick, not a scientist. But I, I, <laughs> a, but a mate in Greece, a, a chap in Greece, when I was there last summer, was telling me that there's a, it's quite a growth area. But why are you so interested in olive stones, for example, and not plum stones? You haven't rung me up to ask about plums. I don't like plums as much. <laughs> but you see what I mean. There are lots of things. You see, I, I mean, for me, fingernails are a great untapped resource. Every time I cut my toenails, I find myself thinking there's quite a substantial bit of something there. Surely we can do something with. If we all collected up our toenails, we could probably heat our house. It's just getting worse. This Alan Partridge thing. Isn't it? <laughs> I don't. Can I finish early? Can we see if Sheila is Sheila ready? She could do the last four. I'm, I'm, all, I'm just a mess. I'm all over the place. Um, so the answer is they don't really do anything except they are now coming up with new wizard wheezes to recycle them. Well, well done, you then. That, 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 that would be it. That would be all I've got. Um, and I think it gets me a round of applause. Oh, it does. Sounds like it does. Of course, if someone else rings in and they know more about olive stones and recycling and what have you, then I, I'd be delighted to hear from them. But of course, the good point is you don't plant them very often because the trees are, are, are generally in orchards. You know, I think it's against the law to chop down olive trees in Greece. I, think I may have got that. Corey is in Middlesex. Corey, question or answer? It's a question, James. Carry on. Uh, um, okay, I was watching Back to the Future the other day. Yeah. And there's the early scene, a very cool scene, a scene I remember from my childhood, where the truck, the back of the truck door opens and you see the DeLorean kind of slowly come out of the back. Yeah. Um, he then puts the dog in the car because he's going to show you know Marty what he's done. <laughs> says who, James? Says who? You he he puts the dog in the car and he says, I'm going to test it. Now, he blasts the dog, I think it's forward in time, like a minute. And then he goes to touch the car. When it comes out the other side, he goes to touch it. And he hurts his hand because the entire yeah, but, car mate, is... You've got, you're about to ask me a question about the theory behind time travel. No, no. Well, no. Yeah. Well, hang on. Let me, let me finish. Oh, 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 he touches right. the car door. There's a lot of people he... waiting, Corey. I, you know, I, just, I don't want you to get nervous, but that's a big queue behind you. And they're all getting quite impatient. People are jangling their chains. <laughs> looking over your show. Carry on. Yeah, go on. Um, he, t- he goes to touch the door, yeah. and he- the entire car is completely frozen cold. Yeah. Now, I want to know, is there a science behind that? I know we can't... I know it we was can't time travel! Through- no, I know, I know. We there can't isn't any science behind time. time travel! No, but, no, but we can't... Who put him through? Hands up, who put him through? Who put him through? Get out! Get out! I want to know if there is a science behind the fact that the temperature was so cold. Right. If we, if we, so your question travel- is, if we travel through time, will it make our cars cold? <laughs> We're not laughing with you, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't there? I know it, time travel is isn't it apparently possible if we could move like you know yeah, faster else. than the speed of light? Yeah, whatever. I'm fairly confident as I mock you that this isn't going to be one of those occasions where it comes back to haunt me. Um, but but usually it does. So I shall apologise in advance if it turns out your question isn't as pant-wettingly stupid as I currently think it is. Are you going to put it on the board? Yeah, I'll put it on the board. Why, 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 do, do, if, 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 do time machines get cold while travelling through time? That's your question. Well, it could be specific <laughs> to Back to the Future if you want. I just want to know. Do why you want the most it, interesting trivia fact about Back to the Future? Tell me. Biff Tannen is actually based upon a real person, and when I first started noticing this real person moving up the news agenda. I found myself really struggling to work out who he reminded me of. And he is someone who in recent years has become arguably the biggest story in the world. And and I kept thinking, who is it that he reminds me of? Who is it that he reminds me of? These utterly callous, utterly greedy, selfish, self-centered individual. 
I, who does it? I, and then I Googled. I remembered who he reminded me of. And I Googled it, the two names together. Mm. Um, the, the character I'm talking about from Back to the Future is Biff. Biff Tannen. Biff, yes. and, and the person that reminded me of Biff Tannen. Do you know who it was? No. And then I Googled it, and it turned out the scriptwriter of Back to the Future 2 did actually base that character, when he becomes the, the sort of master of all he surveys, he did actually base that character on the person that I was reminded of by Biff Tannen, the person who kept reminding me of Biff Tannen. The scriptwriter categorically and definitively based the utterly reptilian Biff Tannen on... I'll tell you after this. This is LBC. Little Red Riding Hood advice. 21 minutes after 12 is the time. Do you know what? I, sometimes you need it, don't you? A little bit of a, a boost. Faith in human nature and all that malarkey. I think we'll catch up with Ellie at the end of the programme if she's free and see how much money has poured into the coffers of her charity down in Torbay since, um, since we spoke to her. Questions still in need of answers. Uh, the shampoo and conditioner one, the red and green one. Why does red mean stop and green means go? Uh, do dolphins and whales and porpoises and sundry other marine mammals have a sense of smell, given that they do their breathing through their blowholes, I think. Uh, where do all the olive stones go? And, yeah, this for Corey in Middlesex. Does travelling through time make your time machine cold? Is there, uh, to be a little bit more generous to that pant-wettingly awful question, is there a scientific theory behind the fact that the DeLorean sports car returns from the future freezing cold in Back to the Future 1? Uh, in Back to the Future 2, the character of Biff Tannen, it's quite specific to this episode as well, actually, because it's the imagined future in which Biff Tannen has become... The, 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 the alternative future in which Biff Tannen has become the, the king of all he surveys, really. He's opened a massive casino. and got, got a clue yet? He's an utterly hateful character with ridiculous hair. And Bob Gale, the screenwriter of Back to the Future 2, has categorically confirmed that it was based on, yep, Donald Trump. And actually Wayne in Basildon, who's tweeted to say, everybody knows it's Donald Trump, you lettuce. A large part of the reason why everybody knows is... is because they heard it here first. Cheryl is in Brentwood. Back to mystery. Our question or answer, Cheryl? Um, answer, Jane. Carry on. Um, shampoo foams because you're right. It has a detergent, um, so that's that's why the the shampoo is, is to foam. Yep. It's to dissolve um, oil and sweat and dead skin cells. So you need detergent um, to dissolve the oil and to to wash out all the gunk. Yes, you do. Yes. And also products that people put on hair, not necessarily you, but a lot of women and maybe yeah, right, gel yeah. And, yeah. and those sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. and, furniture um, polish. I use Mr. Sheen now on my head. Do you? No, of course do, I don't. Do you put that on the scalp itself? Yeah. <laughs> Give it a little buff, a few dusters. Keep finding little yeah. bits of yellow in my hair from where the dusters have... Anyway, I'm digressing. Carry on. Conditioner, <laughs> however, by contrast... Conditioner, however, by contrast, if um, some shampoos are quite high um, detergent, which means that they strip out too much, so then the conditioner is to put back sort of oils and things so that basically you can get a comb through it. Ah, because if yeah. you, so if be, you yeah, that's right, it'd be squeaky. Higher, Without the conditioner, your hair could be squeaky. And then it'll be tangly for someone with long hair, so then you would need a conditioner to get the comb through it. So you put um, a little bit of oil back into the hair with the conditioner and you take it out with the shampoo. Ergo, the shampoo needs the soap, the conditioner doesn't. That's why shampoo is bubbly yeah. and conditioner is Yeah, however, better shampoos wouldn't take out all the oil, so oh. then you wouldn't necessarily need a conditioner. Oh, so, so like the stuff, the stuff that we got, they, they gave us to use at boarding school, you could strip paint with. 
Was that Life Boy? <laughs> not dissimilar. It's the toilet roll that traumatises <laughs> no, the memory. Of the, do you remember that oh, shiny, no. crispy toilet roll they used to knock about with? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, I don't yeah. know what it was like. Like tracing paper. What are your qualifications, Cheryl? Um, I'm a trichologist. That's pretty good. It's Thank not. You. It's not Rayleigh Otter territory, though. There's a lot of trichologists no. around, aren't there? Not a natural woman like me. Yeah, but you didn't invent shampoo. That's what, what would have got you a Rayleigh Otter. I didn't invent shampoo. Gets you a round of applause, though. I don't want this to feel like a... Thank a, you, a, you very know, much. Exactly that. There's plenty <laughs> to get excited about. Thank you, Cheryl. Craig is in... Uh, oh, I don't know quite how to say. Is it Mac Merry? That's Mac Merry, James, yes. Where's that, mate? Uh, it's East Lothian okay. uh, in South East Scotland. Splendid. It's a new one on me. Carry on. Uh, answer, James. Car- sorry, sorry, I should have done the Hang on, I've got done this all <laughs> wrong. It's, it's the worst mystery hour ever today. Question or answer, Craig? Uh, answer, James. Carry on, mate. It's the dolphin question. Oh, yes, good. So Do they have a sense of smell? They don't have a sense of smell. So um, we basically have nasal receptors which pick up um, aroma molecules. Uh, dolphins living underground... Uh, underground, underground flipping it, mate. Uh, you just invented a new species. <laughs> yeah, you're getting the cave, them mixed up the with cave, wombles. The cave, cave dwelling dolphins. Um, <laughs> because dolphins are underwater, they don't actually have any receptors, so they do not have a sense of smell. So, how do they pick up? I mean, with whales, they don't need to because they eat plankton so, uh, and krill or whatever, so they're just constantly absorbing food. But how do dolphins find food without a sense of smell? Um, I assume sonar. But I don't know the answer to that. No, of course question. they do. Make the noises, it bounces, and they find a big shoal of mackerel, and then they go in like like gangsters. Uh, qualifications, yeah. Craig? Uh, I'm a whiskey distiller, and actually researched um, the the nasal receptors as part of my job a couple of years ago, so I could teach my team all about blending whiskey and um, sense of smell. Oh, do you remember that? That I came up with a great idea for a new TV show about a month ago, and it was during Mystery Hour, and it was best jobs in the world, and I was just going to go and do all those jobs, and then it turned out. Um, oh, his name has just temporarily escaped, slipped my mind, but that very brilliant Welsh comedian, is it Rodri someone? He'd already done it. Rod Gilbert, oh, that's Rod it. Gilbert, did, did yeah. he, did, he didn't come to you, because whiskey distiller, that's, it's not the kind of thing you dream of being when you're a child, unless you're quite an old child, but when you're an adult, it's the kind of thing you dream of being if you ever grow up. Did you, did you kind of fall into it? <laughs> Uh, I started out in whiskey tourism on my 18th birthday and sort of, yeah, just, just fell into it. I actually did all my distilling in Tasmania. So Seriously, have they got a good, they've got a good industry job. there, have they? A uh, hundred or so really small distilleries, um, but not don't really make enough to export, but the quality is fantastic. Single malts? In, in a Tasmanian single malt? Yeah, we made, made single malt. I'm actually going to be heading down there at the end of this month to hopefully start another distillery. Mate, this is so exciting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And, and presumably you're bored, rigid of everyone responding to news of what you do for a living by doing what I'm doing now. Oh, no, not at all. I, it's the uh, best job in the world, and, and let's face it, it gives us something else to talk about apart from what's happening yeah, in, uh, yeah, me, yeah, <laughs> in the other circles, you know? And do you, when you're sampling, or, 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 or where, do you spit it out? Um, I think you, you kind of take a, a small a small um, imbibe just to make sure you've got the, yes. the the final aftertaste and the proper effect of the booze, but make sure you're not driving, you know? No, of course. Absolutely. Sound advice from Craig. Round of applause. <laughs> That's really cool. I thought, cause I thought when you said whiskey distiller, I thought I was going to have to do that. I don't know how long Craig's been listening. That thing where I say, no, I don't just mean what qualifications have you got generally in life. 
So, so someone rings in to answer a question about crisp flavours. I say, what are your qualifications? And they say, well, I've got a PhD in marine biology. No, 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 no. What are your qualifications that mean you know a lot about crisp? Oh, I had a holiday job in a crisp factory. But that was his qualification. He's a whiskey distiller, so he's studied um, matters olfactory. Robert is in Winchester. Question or answer, Robert? It's a question. Carry on. Hello. So um, my question is, what is the origin of the phrase first dibs? Oh, I like that. I like that. First yeah, dibs. Yeah, I was trying to work it out. Dibs is such an unusual word. You know, what I could it be nib, short for? Pen nibs, and that's yeah. the only thing I could could think. But um, dibs, yeah. not nibs. Not nibs. No, no. First dibs. Yeah, dibs. Dibs. Yeah, you're wrong. What's the origin of first dibs? Uh, these things are often military or something, or, or, or naval or something like that. Um, oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three is the number that you need. Um, questions that are in need of answers, just before we head towards the headline. We've done the shampoo. Why does green mean go and red means stop? You can add to the olive stones question if you so desire, but uh, what, what, what happens to all the olive stones? The back to the future question is possibly a little silly, but if you think you can answer it, I'd be very, very grateful. Is there a scientific basis to the fact that the time machine in Back to the Future comes back from the future ice cold, freezing, freezing cold. Um, and what's the origin of the phrase first dibs? 03456060973. You are listening to Mystery Hour with me, James O'Brien on LBC, and Lisa Aziz is here now with your headlines. 13 people have died, including a sheriff today. 12.35 is the time. Um, Zach has responded to one of the Mystery Hour questions. <laughs> by asking how come the TARDIS doesn't start freezing up. <laughs> I don't think it's a stupid question. It's a question about a time machine and science, but there is no such thing as time travel, so can there actually be any science? Corey wants to know why the DeLorean in Back to the Future comes back from the future freezing cold, OK? Uh, if you've got any questions, you can get on the board, 03456060973. And if you can answer the questions about the origins of the phrase first dibs, the um, uses of olive stones that you are aware of, and the reasons behind red being associated with stop or, you know, uncharged, and green being associated with go or charged in the context of electronic devices. Lawrence is in Isha. Hello, Lawrence. Question or answer? Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm all the better for hearing your dulcet tones. And it was good to read about you in the eye today. You know how much I hate (laughs) self-reference. James, we've just come back from the States. Yes. Five-hour, 40-minute flight, and we've changed our times on the watches five five hours. Yes. Our friends are coming back on the Queen Mary 2. That's going to take five days. Gosh. When do they change their clock? Is it (laughs) one hour a day, or is it five hours straight away, or what's the nautical time? On on which day? I, I don't know. Is it when they leave New York or when they arrive at South... Southampton? I don't know. On the... Yeah, well, that's why I'm phoning you. No, I, sorry. But I often do know, Lawrence. That's the... You know, it's... it's, it's, yeah. it's I, come, I sometimes have a crack at these things. So, so you changed your clock from American to... on the plane, yeah. we, we changed our... Yeah, but... Where, but yeah, no, 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 no. But, but when did you do it? Straight when we got on the well, plane. Well, there you go. So it's up to you when you do it, isn't it? Yes, but on the... Boat. Oh, what will the official time on the boat lunch, be? What time is lunch time? What's boat example? time? Boat time. Oh, yeah. So it's not just one hour at one o'clock on the day. I've got no idea. No. Well, Keith keeps saying in my ear, one hour at one o'clock, but that's not answering your question, is it, Lawrence? Don't think so. Gosh, Keith. 
He's, no, he's adamant that that is the answer to your question. Well, I don't get it, and you don't get it, so we're going to have to leave it on the board until someone explains it better, aren't we, Lawrence? Did you have Thank a nice you, trip? James. Was it was it pleasure? Uh, yes, very, very much so. Splendid. Well, I'm glad you're back safe and sound. 12.37 is the time. Craig is in Epsom. Craig, question or answer? Hi, James. Hi. I have an answer, hopefully. Carry on. Uh, to Corey's question about Back to the Future. Shut the front door. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then. Is there any scientific basis to the fact that the DeLorean comes back from the future freezing cold? I believe there is. Let me give you a bit of a premise here. Go on, then. Uh, I finally got round to watching the commentary of it last year. I've I've seen the trilogy multiple times. Um, So I watched the commentary, and and they're talking about um, throughout the trilogy, they stopped doing the ice uh, throughout the three films. It was too expensive with the liquid nitrogen. Yes. Uh, it became far too much of a hassle, so they eventually stopped doing it altogether. But um, they didn't actually mention why it was a thing in the first place, so right. I did look that up last year. Uh-huh. And I found an article uh, about mid-last year uh, talking about the fourth dimension and time and a donut shaped uh, sort of time wormhole, if you like. Uh, and the idea is that uh, as time is a fourth dimension... Uh, and you've got one side and another side, um, they eventually collapse in on each other where there is nothing, no particles, no energy, and therefore it's believed the temperature there is absolute zero uh, and thus freezing cold. And uh, if you watch the film after he's asked, is it hot? He says, no, it's cold, air cold, as in it's the temperature of the air. And that's that's as far as I've gotten with it. I, I'm not going to lie to you, Craig. I nodded off halfway through that. That's but it, fine. <laughs> but it sounds pretty strong. It sounds pretty definitive to me. And, and uh, frankly, I'm not sure I can bear a steward's inquiry or anything like that. But 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 briefly, they did think that they had science. Yes. Round of applause for Craig. Qualifications? Massive geek. Massive nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Good man, you're not a nerd at all. You, you have an inquiring mind. If we had a few more of those in this world, we wouldn't be facing such chaotic times. 12.40 is the time now. Uh, Mohammed is in Braintree. Mohammed, question or answer? Uh, question. Carry on. Um, have you been on the London Underground at all? What do you think? I've lived in London for, I've lived in London <laughs> for 30 years, 28 years. Go on. Well, on the London Underground, there's a pit under the train. Yeah? It's what? like a, a hole under the rails. Yeah. When it goes up overground towards Heathrow, it, there's no pit, it's just level. Well, un, under the rails as a whole? Yeah. Is it, I don't... Uh, yeah. How long did you say you've been... I, no, I'm all right, mate. Just wind <laughs> your neck in. Seriously, I'm just thinking out loud. You should never be, no, no, never, no, never interrupt people when they're making fools of themselves. It's not fair on the audience. <laughs> um, yeah, OK. And then you get out and there isn't one. No, no, you know the... You know when you're standing in the station, there's a pit under the rails, isn't there? I'm not seeing it. I've got to be honest with you. Really? I know there, I know there must be because everyone's nodding their heads. But I just keep thinking of the little mices, and I, I should, I, no, the, the rails look like they're suspended. I, mate, I've just got a mental block. It's just an odd hour. I'm still reeling from that phone call at the top of the last hour at the bottom. Thirty of, years was it? Thirty. Th- Twenty-eight, mate. Yeah, Tw- right, oh, tw- only twenty-eight. Yeah, oh, only twenty-eight. Okay, well, twenty-seven. Twenty-seven, give or take, because I had well, that anyway, year off in Manchester. <clears throat> Overground towards Heathrow and that. Yeah. 
It's, I, um, I get on that train every single day. I get on the westbound oh, Piccadilly. Know. I know I should. I'm gonna... There's no pit. It's just like the. Old, it looks like a national rail or something. It's just so flat. if you're on the Piccadilly line or the district line and you come out the underground yes, bit right. and go into the overground bit, there's yeah. no there's nothing underneath the rails. Yeah, there's no hole. And you want to know holes, and you want to know why. Trying to make it easy. Yeah, I know, mate. You've been very <laughs> generous, man. I mean, I'll just hang on. Here is a photograph of a London Underground station. And what are we actually talking about here? Oh, yeah? Well, blow me down with a feather. You've never seen it? Well, I, now, now I'm looking at it, I've never seen anything different. It's completely normal and obvious, but I'd never really registered it in my brain as being a pit. No, you I pit put you me a off. Deep thinker. Yeah, I'm um, too busy thinking deeply to be obsessing about railway tracks, you prune. That's the thing. <laughs> I was thinking about the existential nature of the ontology or something like that. Well, you know what I'm talking about now? I do now know what you're talking about, yes. And it's flat when you come out towards Heathrow, yeah. isn't it, on the Piccadilly line? Yeah, well, all right. Well, well, okay, well, we'll find out for you, shall we? Yeah, what's the, what's the pit for on the on the underground bits? Yeah, and why isn't it there when it goes overground? Well, that probably the answer to the second bit will be contained within the answer to the first bit, but we'll we will find out for you. Pit, pit, well, well, yeah, all right. It's like pulling teeth, man. But I can only apologise to you. That is not the experience I want my my callers to have when they ring into this program. If we did do any kind of feedback or anything like that, I would expect a two star review from you at the very best. Well, I think that's the minimum you can give on Amazon. Is it? No, you can give one. <laughs> Seriously, you should ch- check out my book. It's 12.43, you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Jade is in Epsom. Jade, question or answer? Hello, James. Oh, uh, question. no way did this get put through. We've answered this about 10 million times. Have you? Yes. I must have missed it. That's all right. Ask away. Well, this is awkward. Right. No, it's not. It's not. I'll deal with it. I'll <laughs> pretend it's new. Okay, carry on. Watch this, all right? You're going to... Uh, Jade? Jade? Yes. I'm going to do... Uh, yeah. I'm so about, I'm, no, hang on. I'm going to do some acting. Okay. Ready? Question or answer, Jade? Question. Go on. If road safety is so important, why is there not seatbelts on buses? Always wondered that. Seatbelts on buses? You're right. There are... Why not? Never. So you never get a seatbelt on a bus. Never. No. Or trains. No trains, no. Or you never get seatbelts on trains or buses. Exactly. Well, we need to find out why. Why don't you ever get seatbelts on buses? Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. That's a great question, Jade. I can't wait to find out the answer. Good to speak to you anyway. No, Thank always you. good. Great <laughs> to speak to you as well. It's just gone twelve forty four. You know, I'm not sure I can actually remember the answer. I think it is just a. She, she gone now, so I'm not going to embarrass myself in front of her. I think it's just because they don't have to. It's that simple. Uh, Adam is in Nottingham. Adam, question or answer? Uh, answer, James. Carry on. Um, hopefully, it's about what. Why is it red and why is green, uh, green go and red red uh, red stop? Sorry. Hang on a minute. Uh, Put yeah. your teeth in and try again, will you? Okay. Yeah, I will do. <laughs> why is stop red and yes. why is go green? Green okay. go. Green go. Red stop. Why go? Yeah, um, I think that comes down to essentially the Vienna Convention and treaties um, about when we had the international international standardisation, and I think it was then it was. Then yeah, but why? To, Daniel would say, I don't know if you heard the original question, but he would now say why. Why? Uh, yeah. Because I believe you had it in other countries where essentially green was blue. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, it could have been somewhere like Japan. I think a green light was a blue light. Or if you actually call it... So it's yeah, it's like a terrible phone it's line. It's driving me mad. But I don't think you've answered it. I'm going to give you a round of applause just to get that f- distortion out of my brain. Oh, that's better. Ooh. So you need Eddie Mayer's voice at a time like this. So like, like a sort of calming balm poured over the ears 
of our radios. Um, but I don't think that's an answer. I think if Daniel was here, he'd want to know why Green was chosen in the first place, not why there has subsequently been an international agreement to abide by Green being go and Red being stopped, but why the convention began in the first place, pre-Vienna convention, I think. But you got your round of applause. It's 12.45. Coming up at one on LB7 Mind. The origins of red meaning stop and green meaning go. The destination of discarded olive stones. What happens to them? The pit beneath the rails on the London Underground that disappears when the underground goes overground. That is so blooming obvious now. Oh, blimey. Never mind. Someone can get a round of applause with relative ease. The origins of the phrase first dibs. And... How do they put the clocks back or forward? How do they adjust the time on a long... So from America to... Say from New York to Southampton takes five days. The time at Southampton is very different from the time in New York. How do they adjust it? Do they do it all in one go? How does it work? We need to know. Let's crack on. Jim is in Bromley. Jim, question or answer? Answer, James. Carry on, Jim. It's the... um the pit on the uh, London Underground under the rails. Mm. Um, so the reason for the actual pit being there is that should anyone fall onto the tracks or find themselves onto the tracks in a station um, and they haven't got time to get back up onto the platform, they've got somewhere to shelter should a train be hurtling towards them. It's so obvious, isn't it, when you think about yeah. it? Yeah, and, and if, if you notice at the... Because uh, when you go on the overground, you could just roll into the into the meadow. Exactly, you've, you've got more space to, to sort of run out of the way yeah. or, or, or to get yeah, out of the of way. And if you, if, if you notice, when the, when the train leaves the station on an underground, uh, the pit disappears. It doesn't carry on through the tunnels, obviously because no one would be in the tunnels. It, uh, it, it's just purely on the actual stations themselves, on the platforms themselves. It's uh, it's a, a fairly definitive answer. What are your qualifications? Uh, I'm a London firefighter, and I've attended many calls on London underground premises. That'll do nicely. Thank you very much. Great Life work, complete. Jim. Uh, good man. 12.51 is the time. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Uh, Thomas is in Bath. Thomas, question or answer? Answer. Uh, hi, James. Yeah. I'm first time on, uh, on this show. You're very welcome. Um, Finally, you've made it. <laughs> No <laughs> idea you. how relieved I am. I was beginning to wonder if it was ever going to happen. Carry yeah. on. Question or answer? So, uh, it's an answer about yeah. the changing time on a, on a ship, on a vessel. Uh, so, uh, generally, if it's five days and five hours, you will do it uh, every day, one hour. At and what time do they, they do it? Uh, they do it overnight, like you normally change the time. So, so they do it at like so one o'clock in the morning. The winter to summer. Yes. Keith says so they do it at lunchtime. Keith says they do it at one o'clock. I understand Keith's answer now. He was right. You're <laughs> right. You're going to get the round of no. applause. He, he's not allowed uh, one. Yeah. One, one more thing. That when you've got more time, for example, if you go from Florida down to uh, Gibraltar, for example, you will have much more time to do it. So you will have like about two weeks. Now, then it's this discrepancy of the captain to do it uh, which day the, uh, he will choose it but usually you will not go more than one hour simply because that messed up the body clock 
So, you, so, so actually, you get to adjust your body clock without really noticing, so that when you arrive back in Southampton, you're not going to get any jet lag or, or whatever the marine yeah, equivalent would be. Actually, you will get because after we, I did it quite a few times. So we were going um, five days, five hours, or six days, five five hours. Yes, and you can feel the strain on on your body. Really, it's just much. Oh yes, and, but uh, but it's much much easier to do it one one day, one hour in- incrementally than all in it, one yes. big, big go. What are your qualifications? I think we know. I used to work for the uh, Norwegian company, uh, uh, and I was a sailor for three years. Fred Olsen? No, it oh. was Green Rivers. Okay. Round of applause for Thomas. Thank you very much. No, great work. Lovely answer. Uh, Mark's in Aberdeen. Mark, question or answer? Uh, it's an answer. Yes. The, um, what happens to the olive stones? Yes. Well, we, uh, we, they get made into what we call pips. P-I-P-S, mm. and they're used as fuel in uh, solid fuel heaters, boilers yes. and stuff, they're, they're, uh, they're, for heating houses in Spain uh, over the winter. There you go. And I think you've just given us your qualifications as well, haven't you? What are your qualifications, Mark? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Property in the north of Spain. <laughs> uh, and so that's a great round of applause. And it's quite widespread. It's not experimental, then. It's quite, a, it's quite a, an established no, thing. No, no I, I'm actually... Um, the, the little village I live is in an olive-growing area, and it's cooperative, um, so you help out with the olives, and you get free pips, uh, free bags oh, delivered once a week to your house oh, um, over the winter. Oh, that's a lovely answer. Yep. It's a, a, a lovely little vignette as well. Thank you, Mark. We've got his round of applause. Twelve fifty-four is the time. Who's next? It's Toby, who's in Maidstone. Toby, question or answer? I've got an answer. Go on. Well, this is—it's quite—it's just incredibly serendipitous. Yesterday, I was looking at—I was writing a script, and I had to turn it from English English to American English. Yes. And a phrase that I'd written that I didn't know was uh, relevant in American English was the word dibs. Oh, yeah. So I had to look it up. I looked it up yesterday. Go on. So it is, I do have knowledge. Yes. But whether it's right or not. Um, apparently it's from dibstones, which is, you know, knuckle bones, you know that game you play five where you toss things up and catch them on the back of your hand? Yes. That was in America, I think, is called knuckle bones or dibstones. Right. And first dibs is first person to go on that. So apparently it is US. Really? Yeah, well, well I, 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 you looked it up, and I believe you, and you're right. It is also you've used one of my favourite words there with reference to serendipity, but the, it's not a very cool answer, is it? It's. I mean, I mean, I don't believe it, but no, you know, I have. That is what I, you, you know, looked I've read up. It in black and white on the internet. No, yeah. no, that's fine. They, they give a round of applause for Toby. Thanks very much. Did you hear my acting earlier with with Jade when Jade rang in to ask about um, seatbelts on buses? Did you hear me acting? Uh, is, I mean, it's very impressive. It's, hard, it's so hard to tell when it is acting well, or that's, not. That's, and that's, that's the that's secret. The that's, that is yeah, the that's trick, the isn't it? So, if, you know, if the script sells and you have any uh, influence over casting, don't don't you forget that acting. I mean, you're always top of the list. That's, I should hope yeah. so, too. Amanda Abington's been in touch with um, admiration as well. She's passing my details on to her agent. <laughs> Chloe is in Telford in Shropshire. Chloe, question or answer? Hello, I've got an answer for you. Carry on, Chloe. Um, it's about the colours of the traffic light. Yes, it comes down to sort of basic colours in nature. The um, colour red is the least dominant colour in nature and is used to symbolise danger um, and therefore alerts us to things very quickly. Uh, that makes sense. And green, being, well. the, green being the most common yeah. colour with trees yeah. and stuff. That were qualifications? Uh, A-level psychologist. Really? And that came up? That is, yeah. that is, that is the yeah. psychological association? Yeah. Okay, I like that answer. Yeah. Well played, Chloe. We've done pretty much all of it. We never did get seatbelts on buses, though, despite me mocking the 
fatuousness of the question. Um, because I, I, I'm going to break the habit of a lifetime, actually, and interrupt Mystery Hour with non-Mystery Hour-type business. You may remember about an hour ago, we were talking to Ellie War, the CEO of that charity in Torbay in, in, in Devon that took a call from a nine-year-old girl offering to clean floors in return for money because they were skint after her father was put on universal credit, having been made redundant. And, and I said that the responses had restored some of my faith in human nature, which is under threat at the moment. And, um, and I think it might restore some of yours as well, because Ellie is back on the line now, Ellie. And I gather our listeners have, um, having given out the details of, of your charity, I gather our, our listeners have galloped to your aid. They have, and um, I might cry, so please bear with me if I do. Um, I, I don't know what to say. It means that um, we can keep going for, I think it's nearly two years. Um, I can't, I'm so sorry. I'm so overcome. Um, I can't. I can't thank you all enough. Um, uh, my all my volunteers uh, at Humanity Today, and they're all crying, and we we can't thank you all enough. We work really hard, and you know, um, and it's a pleasure helping people. It really is. And sometimes we go home and we cry a lot. In fact, we cry a lot almost <laughs> every night. And yes. I can't thank you. I'm I'm overcome. I really oh, am. Ellie, you silly sausage. Um, We're the ones that should be thank. We should be um, thanking you. you. Do we know? No, do we know you. roughly how much has come in? Or, or I think somebody said it's seven up to seventeen thousand pounds. Just just since we last spoke. Yeah, and and we were on like one thousand or something, and um, somebody donated five thousand pounds, and and I can't thank them enough because you um, don't have to. Oh. Please, you know, no, and you if anybody wants to come and see us, and we're open six days a week, and we open on a Saturday as well, please come and see us, and 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 thank you, and thank you, James, and hey, thank you, Beth. Thank not, you, not me. I'm just I'm just the loud hailer. It's the people oh, listening that have, that have shouted through. Can you do me a favour, Ellie? Because you yes. you mentioned that that you, you, your husband's not very well. Will you yeah. t- make sure yeah. you find some time to look after yourself as well? I promise. I Good. promise. All right. That's I the promise. condition of accepting these donations from my listeners. I promise. All I right. promise I will. Okay, thank well, you. Well, you take care of yourself and thank you. Most of all, of course, and this is addressed to everybody listening, even if you are currently unpersuaded uh, by the uh, need for a little bit more kindness and compassion in the world. That's what it can do. Just that, right there, today, in an hour. That's it from me for another day. We'll do it all again tomorrow from 10. The next voice you will hear belongs to Sheila Fogarty. Yeah, and before you go, you are the loud hailer. We are a loud hailer of sorts. But all of us need to find ways that we can find places like that, even if we're just giving a tenner, if we're well off enough to give a grand, whatever, like that guy did. Just fantastic moment to know that that difference has been made, isn't it? Yes, it is. Really exactly brilliant. right. That's exactly it. You, you, the, the reality of it, rather than just the signing of a signature and wondering where it goes. Yeah, the re- absolutely. That's